This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to an emergency pod edition of the Thursday Night Podcast. Uh, my name is Brady. I'm joined today by David and Ben Moore, PantherTalk.com. We had to get everyone together to talk about what I guess I would phrase as the most surprising way to get the least surprising news possible because Sean Elliott, Georgia State head coach for seven years, is leaving for the tight ends coach and run game coordinator job at South Carolina. A job, a school, listeners of this podcast will not be surprised Sean Elliott chose to go to, but the timing of it, three days into spring practice, actually canceling what was going to be the third day of spring practice, surprising, throws the job vacancy open at a time where Georgia State's the only show in town, but the portal's closed, the carousel is basically closed, so lots to unpack here. I guess we should just kind of start with how this all played out, and I guess I can turn that over to Ben for that because uh, he was the one who told me about everything that happened, peeling the curtain back. I was awoken to this news this morning uh, by Ben. Yeah, well, and uh, you, you guys know that I, I get up really early. Uh, most in, uh, most uh, than folks that live in the you know Eastern time zone, uh, I'm normally up by four thirty every morning. So, um, yeah, we received some text messages um, saying basically that that practice today was canceled, and then there was going to be a team meeting at eight thirty, and um, it it. it was interesting and I, you know i sent some sent a few text messages out pretty early this morning uh just asking about the potential of of something happening a coach coaching staff member leaving potentially as we've seen that before um you know recent most recently you know josh step you know left uh, offense coordinator uh for for a role at louisville a couple couple off seasons ago or in in spring seasons ago excuse yeah. me not off well, nate fuquay last year it's it's that, becoming exactly. like at this point if if he had not left it would have been like okay but someone is going to leave during spring because it's just it's becoming tradition 100 percent. i mean to, to quote sean elliott's tweet i remember from a couple of years ago the, the coacher the coaching transfer portal never closes as we well know so no the um the, the the meeting happened pretty quick charlie cobb um addressed the the current roster of players um uh, sean elliott's headed headed back home he's from the state of south carolina um not not so secretly it's been put out there by enough uh, media outlets including our own um you know his family uh, did not move to atlanta they're from south carolina he has two high school age kids including a son that's a varsity football player for ac floor right there in columbia um and you know it the, the articles came out about him not wanting to miss home games and how much family mattered to him if, if folks have uh, ridden along and, and watched the uh, press conferences or been in the room like brady and I have in the past um, to see him. He, he has talked very openly about his family and how emotional it is for him to miss things of his kids, to miss cheerleading competitions for his daughters. And certainly as a, as a girl dad and a dance dad, I get it 1000%. This is not a, not a job that has very good work-life balance at all. Um, it's quite the opposite. The hours are insane. The health risks are, are, are really bad for you. Um, with all that being said, he had the opportunity to go home um, and, and, you know, his relationship is very tight with Shane Beamer, um, as we have known for a while um, and uh, getting, you know, saw, saw their embrace and their conversation. Certainly the week of the South Carolina Georgia State game uh, last last season or it was two seasons ago. Excuse me. Um, I think ultimately um, this was the right move for Sean Elliott and him and his family. And as we can certainly discuss further, and I, and I plan on probably putting a piece together tomorrow morning, um, it, it may be kind of short-term pain for long-term gain for the program. Because as you mentioned, this is the only FBS job that's open. 
there are significant interested parties, uh, several of which that I've spoken to, either representatives of this morning, uh, agents and folks uh, associated with several Power Five assistant coaches, and we have put uh, some of those names in the the hot in Brady's hot board. Um, you'll you'll continue to see more names as as things get out there and coaches want their names uh, pushed out, uh, whether either contacting uh, Parker Executive Search, who George State's going to use again, or contacting Charlie Cobb directly and just wanting some you know, positive vibes. And um, for, there's going to be former assistant coaches that are out there. I've already seen uh, Eric Lewis's name being mentioned. Of course, he's on the staff at Navy. Um, coaches are going to want one of 132 or 33, whatever there are, FBS jobs. This job does pay significantly better than, you know, a G5 coordinator or another another uh, role like that. Um, the biggest thing now is Charlie Cobb for you know, for all the slings and arrows he has taken from many a Georgia State fan and alum, he's gotten hired. Including you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I will fully raise my hand. Um, he's gotten hiring right, you know, consistently in, in a multitude of sports. The, you know, it's produced, um, you know, and, and ultimately he's been financially sound. He's led this program post-COVID to make money, and that matters because – the, when I talk to coaches and potential coaching candidates, here's here's where it really breaks down. Can I win there? Yes. Do you have an, the AD? Do you have the president? Are there resources? Are they going to support me of things that I need? And we've seen that. We've seen facility growth. We've seen obviously NIL, which is you know whatever six months six months old now. Um, ultimately, you have certain things in place to be successful. Ultimately, to me, you need someone who can go in there and just be a kick-ass recruiter and can be relentless with it. Um, most most famously, there were members of this staff, right, wrong, or indifferent, who were not big-time recruiters and relentless recruiters. And for many years, the state of Georgia and even Metro Atlanta went untapped and even worse a lot of these kids that wanted to come to Georgia State or probably should have been evaluated and brought in and potentially offered and signed at Georgia State went to your competition. Now, you can't sign them all, right? Uh, Dave Cohen and I have talked about this. He talks about on the radio broadcast all the time about in basketball and football and other guys, hey, this kid's from the Georgia, this kid's from Georgia. There's probably 900 kids from the state of Georgia who will play D1, D2, FCS football in, in, you know, this, this season. Ultimately, you got to get 20 of them, right? You got to go and be successful. And to Coach Elliott's credit, this offseason, he actually reached into the portal and grabbed some guys back that were in their final year or years um, at Power 5 programs or other programs that were from Metro Atlanta. I think that obviously has to continue, but you also have to to weaponize the fact that you, you got to go homegrown as well. You got to bring and develop, you know, kids that are from the state of Georgia and go find those kids. And, and that's that's what the task is for this next head coach. And they, they have to be proven recruiters and developers of talent, and they have to be able to attract a coaching staff that does the same. And David, I saw your initial thoughts to me in a group message where it was just an ellipses, uh, just surprised at the reaction or just whatever the reaction, but how did you unpack the news as you received it today? Um, so let's see, honestly, I saw the message. Um, I have a very bad habit of checking my phone first thing when I wake up. Um, because regardless of where I, yeah, regardless of whatever alarm I'm using, the phone is going to be the first thing I touch anyway. So it's not even worth trying to fight it. 
Um, and I admittedly knew that I was going to have a very busy day at work. And um, I am actually headed on a flight to Atlanta tomorrow um, at like 530 in the morning. Uh, and I didn't know that we would end up actually doing this. But my first thought was, okay, somebody is either going to ask me about this or I'm going to have to sincerely engage with this. And this is just not something that I can add to my to-do list today, um, which is fine. It, it all ended up working out and I decided to be a crazy person um, and, you know, got my stuff done. But as far as the actual news, I mean, like I told you later, um, I thought that this would happen last year. I can't remember specifically which job it was, um, but I knew there was a job kind of in that area for a coordinator of some sort um, or a position coach that we just knew had gone elsewhere. North and I was Carolina, like, maybe. I think they I, yeah, had a coach coming. I, I think so. And I, I remember either talking to Ben and yourself or just yourself um, offline and being like, oh, okay, this is probably something that we should watch for Coach Elliott. And then the stags hire came about and we were like, Oh, oh, okay. I guess that's, that's the only news. Um, so this, as far as, you know, that is concerned, this came out of left field in terms of the timing of it, you know? And I think for everybody who's mad about that, I mean, yeah, that's okay. I get that. But also like, I don't think people would necessarily be as upset about this. If this happened 60 days ago, which, you know, that's kind of how that works with the transfer portal and things. Um, can't confirm people would not have been mad if this had happened 60 days ago because people wanted him gone 60 days ago. Yeah. And I don't think that sentiment necessarily left all that much, even though by all accounts, and we've talked about it, pretty good offseason as much as it could be. There's still the looming quarterback question, but it felt like, like Ben said, they went and got guys back from good programs who had been in Georgia in high school. And so it was like, proof positive of what people have wanted this program to do in the recruiting. And it's like, all right, they might be building something here. It was certainly interesting that no staff changes had been made other than when Corey Peoples left for Georgia Tech. And at this point, I'm not saying it's like he knew all along he was leaving, but maybe there's a piece of it where it just, it was not an immediate priority to shake up the staff if it wasn't going to last. But, you know, as, as things stand, I just wanted, I'll get the, uh, the biography stuff out of the way here too. He ended up 41 and 44 in seven seasons at Georgia State, five bowl games in those seven seasons, and they were four and one in those bowl games. And the margin of victory was pretty impressive. Honestly, that's that's the one thing that I will say is when he had time, he and his staff had time, um, they just kicked the crap out of the teams that they played. And and short of basically Dan Ellington playing on one leg with uh, you know a, a knee that that needed significant surgery. Um that that was the one game where is the outlier here, um, and, and you know there there were there were certainly super highs. Um, you know he, again he, he's he's your head coach of your most uh, you know recognizable and, and biggest victory depending on who you talk to going in just uh, earth shaking victory at Tennessee, um, and it's it's still funny to me that Tennessee fans are still trolled to this day when you do a simple search on on uh, on Twitter. Um, I refuse to call it X-Boy, sorry. Um, the Twitter search of Georgia State where ultimately somebody will get, yeah, you lost to Georgia State. Um, and, and the misremembering that has occurred from after that. But um, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, his, his legacy to me, um, if I could kind of, you know, encapsulate it and kind of look at it, is Trent Miles had to basically crawl for 
Sean Elliott to walk, right? Like Trent went in and had to do a lot of different things and had to be the guy to take the program from FCS to FBS. You know, Sean uh, inherited a brand new stadium. He, he inherited, obviously, the facility upgrades that happened. Um, he, he inherited, let's be candid, things that he didn't have to necessarily control, but the explosion around his building, you know, having dorms right across the street, having Summerhill, what it is and building and being an attractive area, you know, a, a new president coming along. Um, you know, he, he was obviously good enough in his job to for his superiors to give him multiple extensions. That had never happened and, and was pretty rare, candidly, um, with a lot of programs at Georgia State historically. So, I mean, he's he's got the most wins and certainly that number will be there uh, for, for a bit, I would I would imagine. Um, but but ultimately, we, we knew he probably wasn't going to be the guy to ride it out for the rest of his career. I, I've seen that on Twitter and other places. Hey, he was going to be a lifer here. I don't think anyone saw that. I, I think he was looking. I for think it was a surprise to a lot of people that he made it this long and was like considerably the most tenured Sunbelt coach. Agreed. And, and and here's and and that that isn't always a good thing as we've seen in the league too, right? Because if you're successful enough in the Sunbelt, you're going to get a get a, a, a you know a call up basically. Um, not not saying the Sunbelt is the minor leagues per se, but it, you know it kind of is for coaches. And I think after the eight win season, that there was folks around the program who thought that may have been his jump opportunity. Well, guess what? He lost what five assistant coaches, basically that off season. It was a jump opportunity. It was not his jump opportunity. A hundred percent. So, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, I, I wish him well, personally, he's always been great to us. I think in, in the site, um, he's always been great to me personally when I've had a chance to talk to him. Um, I, I think it's, it's just a unique deal. And I think every situation is different. Um, but him being the third FBS coach to leave and th- leave their post in three weeks for a job that's air quotes lesser um, is, is eye opening for some. They're, they're looking at it and going, hey, you know what? I can be at home with my kids. Um, I can be you know around their activities. I don't have to get in the car and drive three hours for it. Um, and, and again, I'm not speaking for him and his family. Um, I, I did see obviously his wife and kids at games all of his seven year tenure here they came to games um they were in center park stadium so it's, it wasn't like they were over there and he was over here but uh, as a as a married individual myself i like my wife and kids and i certainly would want them to be around me and when, and when that's not the case um there are certain inherent stresses that come with that as well so um i haven't seen the financial terms i'm sure we will get those soon as well but you mentioned the the run game coordinator um, I would not be surprised if his total compensation was about even and for a lot less I'd responsibility. I'd yeah, say he's I, mean, I, more. I, don't, I don't disagree. And and ultimately, less responsibility, less headaches. Um, he wasn't a humongous fan of the media in general, just having to do the media engagements. You're not going to have to do that as a tight ends coach. You're just not. Um, that's that's your head coach. You're at home in your home state. Um, and from what I can tell from just a cursory look of their last two or three recruiting cycles, they're tight end rooms pretty, in pretty good shape. And and for what it sounds like as well from the run game quarter, as you put on the boards today, Brady, he's going to be involved in, in some of the rushing game attack. And you know, that's the one area that he consistently did. He came out here in his press conference and says, Georgia State's going to run the ball as a head football coach. And guess what? Yeah, Georgia State did. Yeah, and touching on the timing, I think we circled around that at one point a couple moments ago. Uh, timing's not great. I feel worst for the staff who – Unless there's an opportunity to join him as an analyst in South Carolina, which might be the case for a couple of guys or one guy, at least maybe. 
Um, can't imagine he can't take a whole coterie of people, but there might be an opportunity for some of that. But unless they are retained by the new head coach, they're getting put in a pretty bad situation. They're the biggest losers out of the timing of all of this. Part of it is no one's fault, really, except that Justin Stepp left South Carolina, I think, late last week or early this week. And so the job opportunity opened now. It's not like Shane Beamer has been waiting for a month and they've been going back and forth. Like This opportunity came up in the last week, and that's why it is now. And the other part of it was not just the timing, but how this is happening. And I guess going back to the Charlie Cobb of it all, which I think some people's concerns that Sean Elliott had like infinite job security, there's going to be no buyout involved here. So if you're looking at it and you were worried that he was going to stay forever because he was never going to get fired, Sean Elliott took that out of Charlie's hands because he left. He is not going to have to be paid a buyout for being fired. And so that's another win. And as Georgia State's looking to now hire a coach, they don't have to factor in having paid a buyout before they're going to go out and do this whole coaching search. All in all, I think if you had to draw it up, you would not have had it happen in the middle of February, although that might still work out for Georgia State's benefit. But it's not the worst set of circumstances because they are not having to deal with that extra cost and they're not having to have gone through and fired the staff and all of that involves. And I think that's that's a public perception thing too, right? This is also a team that's coming off for a resounding bowl win, um, another winning season. So again, you know, coaches want to look at it and say, can I win there? That was one of my one of my kind of hit points there. Can I recruit there? Metro Atlanta is one of the areas, and, and you talk to people all around the country. They want to come here and recruit because they know there's players here. There is ultimate data points to say you can go and recruit and grab players in the state of Georgia and win. Teams are doing it every single year, as we well know. We see them, they end up in NFL NFL camps and on NFL rosters. We saw that in the NFL playoffs. So you can go and say, yeah, I can go and do that. There's That's the one thing that I will say about college football coaches uh, in any position is they have the supreme amount of confidence. So they're going to believe, hey, I can go there and win. I can do this. I can go there um, and and make this happen. And, hey, there is an NIL exists. Hey, they have been successful with portal entries. They have, you know, a multitude. There's there's no educational boundaries. That's the other side that I've heard a lot of places where there's some cases where, hey, I won't go to a school or it'll be harder to win there because I can't get JUCO guys there or I can't get portal guys there who may have a 2-5 or 2-3 or whatever or don't have an SAT score. So there, there's an abundance of things that are positive. And as I said, I think on Twitter today, ultimately this program's in a better place today than it was in December 2016 when the when Sean Elliott was, was you know, a, a candidate for this job. I think that's the most important part as people kind of have, uh, how do I say this, extremely delicately. Have their thoughts. Yeah, as they have their takes in all directions. Because, I mean, looking at the Sean Elliott era at Georgia State is certainly going to cause some interesting thoughts. Because, I mean, by the end, and obviously the 2022 season was such a strong disappointment from where everybody wanted to be. Obviously, you know, between halfway through the 2023 season and today, you know, you could argue, you know, to some levels that, you know, there's disappointment. Underperformance. Yes. You can't go from six and one to six and six and have anyone cover you in flowers. Totally fair. Total disappointment. Totally fair. And I, I think the other side of the coin though is like 40 wins is a big number. Like for, you know, there's a way to make it a small number, but for Sean Elliott, 41 wins was a big number as a head coach. 
Um, and so it's, it's weird to see and feel like have those very tangible disappointments to recognize those underperformances and, you know, look at what was there before. And like, I almost feel like people on both sides of the coin are a little bit too harsh, a little bit too positive, you know, the gray area there is really kind of how, at least the, the way that I feel you know, the tenure should be remembered because I mean, you can't, you cannot say that it was all bad. Like the, like the thing that you said, Ben, about him coming in in Georgia state, he said that Georgia state was going to run the ball. I was sitting next to Brady at that press conference. And when he said that I turned to Brady, was, this was before, you know, all of this that we were doing, I turned to him and I was like, I don't believe this man. He's full of smoke. Georgia state is not going to be a school that runs the ball. How often have they had, you know, like 2,000 yard rushing seasons in the last few years? Like, top, come on. top 15, top 20 nationally. Like, like yeah. if, you t- if you take the actual average over his seven years, it is extremely strong. Yes. A- outside of a basically a run first, like military academy, it, they, they were consistently good and they ran on everybody, power everybody. five opponents included. Absolutely. And like, it was one of those things where, yes, Georgia State does not have a Sunbelt title to their credit. Yes, Sean Elliott never won 10 games in a season at Georgia State. But he he walked in on day one, said what he was going to do, and he did it, you know? And like that, I I commend him for that. I truthfully do. Yeah, and I, and I talked to an assistant coach that has since uh, left Georgia State today, and and it was interesting because we went back to our initial conversations um, when Sean was hired, specifically talking about the the attitude, right? Having a having a culture of winning and how how to create that, right? Every single coach in every sport talks about, oh, I'm going to instill a culture, I'm going to instill a brand, I'm going to instill a foundation, and we got to build the brand, build the culture. Everyone uses the same basic sentiment across the board, right? They're coming in and saying, I have to do put my own stamp on this program, this team, this whatever. Basically, the, the, I went scrolling back to some of the messages, and it essentially was there has to be a toughness that didn't exist before. There has to be a mentality shift of we're just going to exist to now we can win any game that we play. And yes, no question, there were disappointments and there was highs and there were lows. And and Brady, I know, is working on, uh, peaked in article manager. I know he's working on some things in there, as we are as well, um, you know, for, for the coming days ahead. But there, there's no dispute. The bar was 10 wins, okay? Like 10 wins was the max. And he also has clearly raised the ceiling, in my view, of, hey, he's won seven games. He's won eight games. He's dominated teams in bowl games. That is now the floor, in my view, is that's the new expectation. If another coach comes in, we've talked about it. We've seen the reactions to Jonas Hayes, right? In the first you know, two seasons so far of his, hey, he's not meeting expectations. And he's extremely public about that. Hey, this is the bar of where basketball is. I think Sean Elliott has raised the bar of where football is and where this program has been. Ultimately, that's a positive. That's a net positive because – he has recruited multiple states. He has pushed the Georgia State name out there regionally and across the state. People didn't know who Georgia State was. Obviously, when Coach Curry came on, there was a negative piece when Curry left. And, and Coach Curry and I have talked about that specifically. Trent Miles was basically handed a grenade. He really was. So for him to kind of be the next guy, you had to improve it or he wasn't going to be here. Seven years, and to your point, David, you know, 40-plus wins, it's not a small thing. 
Um, there were no expectations when he arrived other than basically just be better. Just not don't embarrass this program. Fans did in, not want to go and continue to show up and lose to NAIA schools. In the disappointing year in 2022, they won more games by one than in the first three seasons, Trent Miles at Georgia State. Like, you can't. 2022 was a disappointment because the bar had at least been set to you have to be competent. And they were reading that? that for most of the years he was here. And there's another piece of that that, and I'm not holding this against Trent Miles. He inherited not a great program, but his first couple of years, even throughout his time, you'd get to a game and be like, oh, so-and-so suspended for the first half, not meeting team expectations, or so-and-so is not on a team. There was a big article when he first got here, like his first offseason, his first spring of like fights happening at practice often. Sean Elliott cleaned up all of that stuff. You weren't having that stuff happen basically after his first year. I want to say his first year, there were maybe a suspension here or there, but by and large, all of that stuff went away. And okay, that should be the baseline. That shouldn't be like a, a award you're given for doing that, but that was not what the standard was before Georgia State. And so for all of those reasons also, it's just a, a program you can hand to a new coach at this point, and everything's pretty ready to go. You're going to need to install your philosophy. You're going to need to be ready to take it to the next level, which is what this coaching staff under Sean Elliott was not able to do. But all the other stuff is there, and it's set up to succeed. It's just kind of up to the next guy to put his stamp on the program. I, I agree totally. And I, and I think an important thing as well as, you know, a, another factor that always comes up is, is what is your future scheduling looks like? Um, I think there's still a lot of room for that. I don't think there's uh, any behemoths on the immediate schedule either. You have home and home manageable home and homes with Vandy. You have home and homes with Georgia Tech. Uh, with no disrespect to our friends over there at North Avenue, but they're not exactly setting the world on fire uh, the last few years either. Um, there's opportunities there for a new coach to step in and have some marquee wins right away. Um, that's a or huge opportunity. The other side of it, you know, if you show up in your year one and you're getting thrown in the middle of February, if you lose these games at Georgia Tech and Vandy, I think it's a different time than if Sean Elliott is still here entering year eight and loses those games. And it's a missed opportunity for sure, but it's a different category of missed opportunity. And I think there will be a fair amount of forgiveness, similar way to Jonas Hayes first year with the caveat that like, I don't think you can bottom out like that. Um, But I think that is also the other side of it is that there's going to be a little bit more flexibility, especially if the fans have buy-in on the coach. Like if they like the coach, if next year's a struggle, which they're replacing the quarterback, they're replacing a lot without knowing who they finally bring in as a staff and everything, it's too soon to say. I'm kind of bullish on the defense relative to, I think, the projections that are out there. I think I saw SP Plus that Bill Connolly does had them in like the bottom 10 in defensive SP Plus. And I, I am bullish on that number. I think they're going to be at least middle of the pack in the in the subdivision with defensively. But yeah. all of that stuff is less of a problem for a new coach because in year one, there's a lot you can say it's year one, you're working stuff out. And- 100%. And, and, let's, and, and you talked about timing as well. There's a whole nother portal window that opens in April, okay? So yeah, ultimately, if you do get ahead, you have this new coaching coach, he has his staff in place or retains obviously some of the guys that are here already, and you go through spring practice, will happen, absolutely will. It'll happen you know, potentially in March or in April or whenever it's, it's set to happen, whatever the new coach decides to, you know, hit the gas there, he's going to evaluate the current roster. He's going to evaluate what he has. And I think in a lot of cases, there's not a lot of signees that are just kind of twisting in the wind. You're not bringing in 20 kids this summer. You know, it's a very fractional you know amount. So 
you can see and re- really evaluate what you have and what you need and then go out and shop for it. It wasn't like that in the old days. You you had even even in Trent Miles or even when Sean Elliott got here, because everything was so condensed when he was hired in December, you really had, you know, the signing day in February. And then you're looking around going, all right, well, we really can't fix this a lot. It just has to be a mentality and a coaching and they have to be incrementally getting better. Um, I think there's another opportunity here as well, where depending on who the new coach is, they're going to have that new coach, you know, shiny smell where they may have people that they recruited at their respective schools who they jump in the portal to go and jump there. There's a unique opportunity where there is going to be attrition coming out of this program, regardless. Now it always happens with a new coach and a new coaching staff, but you also can go and replenish that with potentially more talented players in April. And, you know, I really want to push back to agree with what you said earlier, Brady. I really want to push back on people who are very quick to write off this Georgia State team. I have no idea what they're going to look like. You know, I I think that they were going to be at least good defensively with some questions offensively. Um, and, you know, based on how that sentence and how football works, there is a ton of variance in that assessment. Um, but everybody who was just very quick to say that he left today because they were going to stink, ah, that seems like... I understand what they're doing. All you can work off is the numbers, and the returning numbers are not in their favor, and it's a game, you know, that matters, talent matters, and I get where everyone's coming from. I just think it's possible it could have been exactly like this year, and that wouldn't necessarily have been great for fans. Even if they make another bowl game, I think there would have been some disappointment in that being year eight, and that was what the progressive thing was, and that's why back in November, a thread that ended up looking incredibly prescient from me, not to brag on myself, I said, I think a parting of ways between Sean Elliott and Georgia State would be mutually beneficial for both parties. And I even said, you know, is he really going to be happier in year eight here versus making probably more money at an SEC school? And here we are two months later, and that's probably the situation. We'll wait on the money thing. But this was almost the job I envisioned. I just didn't know it was going to be open yet, and I didn't know that it was necessarily going to wait this long to happen. But the other thing about timing, just to throw this in here, um, The spring game was supposed to be March 7th, uh, as this early spring was happening. That's in the middle of the Sunbelt basketball tournaments in Pensacola. I would not have been in attendance at the spring game. So we don't know what the new spring schedule is going to be. It is currently on hiatus, confirmed, while there's no head coach in place, and they're going to restart at some point when there's a new coach. But that spring game is going to be probably sometime in April now, and it's going to be more like normal. And so as we're talking about, like, this isn't a great time because the coaching carousel is over. The one positive with you starting spring so early and it being you interrupting spring practice, quote, quote, because you're having a coaching change. As long as they make a quick enough hire, it's basically going to be playing out on the same schedule as like a JMU or whoever that made a coaching hire in December. And it's not going to necessarily play out that different. I'm not going to lie. The new coach and his staff are going to have terrible sleeping hours over the next couple of months. It's not going to be normal for them. Like this is not going to be a fun little stretch for them as they're getting a job, getting a house in a new place. And by the way, immediately learning your team and doing practice with them in spring. But as far as the football side of things and for the players who stay, I don't think it's going to be that different now because you're not missing like the only window you have to do spring practice. They're still going to get that in. And now it just kind of flips over to getting that hire done pretty quickly. Yeah, and there's and the anxiety is super high on all sides. I mean, I, I get it from the coaching staff as well, um, but but it's also the the new head coach. Um, there is 
you know, it does make sense, especially the timing of this in the in the calendar year as well. Um, to, I would not be shocked to see multiple assistants retained because you're going to need a scouting report. Um, every coach, every staff, every you know player is going to say certain things to a new coach, but ultimately you need some background. I, I think it's you know Jonas has talked about how important Jarvis was being on the staff for multiple years to know about certain guys' tendencies practice habits, things that they, they needed to look out for, that kind of stuff is invaluable. And and I do think there's solid, uh, you know, players on this assistant coaching staff as well. Um, and, and again, obviously you need to, you know, fill another vacancy as there's only nine assistant coaches as of now. So um, with, as you mentioned, with people's leaving to tech, but you know, th this, this is an attractive job. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of folks that caught, you know, Bud Elliott's rundown from cover three uh, or, or, you know, read, read you know, Chris Van, uh, Vanini's piece on the athletic and they, they come away feeling some kind of way or feeling negative to this. Um, it's an FBS job. It pays well. Uh, Sean Elliott had, you know, a, a total comp of about 800K last year. Um, I'm pretty confident that Charlie Cobb will probably have that as the market again, as the market continues to grow as it does every single year um, and with success. And, and you know, the, the contracts are public. So folks can go and see what people are being paid, what they're what they're making, what kind of bonuses they're getting for going to a bowl game. I mean, let's be honest, Sean Elliott received, I believe, a $25,000 bonus for going to a bowl game. He received another $25,000 bonus for winning a bowl game. That ain't bad, friends. Um, so it's it's not like basically we're scraping pennies together at Georgia State. And I think that's that's an important part as well as Charlie Cobb's reputation, obviously, of being financially and physically sound is out there. But I haven't seen it, at least in my view, to be a detriment. You, you may not get everything you asked for, but I don't think if you talk to Sean Elliott in a room of truth that he was turned down necessarily or there's things that he just openly could not get. The the nutrition program, he was able to hire his the strength and conditioning coach that he wanted to. He Twice. had leeway there. Right. And facilities continue to, to be, you know, again, worked on. Um, I know there are certain other programs that have – are kind of in the queue now as things you can't obviously do everything at once with the Sunbelt program like Georgia State. But um, to, to clear up as well as the timeline, I talked to somebody who talked to Sean Elliott on Friday and he was excited about spring. This, this opening did not come. This conversations did not happen until this past weekend. Um, so he was not and again, like you said, from a, from a macro zoom out level, 30,000 feet, oh, well, he saw what he had and he bounced. That wasn't the case at all. He was very excited about the pieces that were brought in, specifically defensively. And and I can tell you from folks that I've talked to in that building, he was super excited about the running game. You know, the, the running back room with C.J. Beasley and Tom Thomas coming in, uh, you know, obviously Freddie Brock's, um, you know, performance there in the bowl game as well. So he felt good about that, um, was excited to kind of see what Zach Gibson could do as well. So you know, the opportunity comes along. I mean, we've seen it professionally. I hope all the listeners of the podcast see it professionally in their own life. If you have an opportunity that improves you professionally and personally, my goodness, man, jump at it. I don't feel bad for it. Uh, and again, so I will have zero ill will to Sean Elliott because uh, I know his impact on this program was positive overall. And, you know, we've talked about things that could have done better, things that went well here. The fact of the matter is, I think the biggest, I don't want to say gripe, but thing that irked people about the program under Sean Elliott is the recruiting never really took that nth leap where it was leading the Sun Belt, attacking the state of Georgia as much as he had preached and coaches before had preached. I know the Trent Miles fencing company didn't really come to much either, but that is the opportunity here is that 
you've got a job opening, the roster's in pretty good shape, and now it's about getting that person that can – I'm sure that is going to be the pitch. That's going to be the thing that Charlie Cobb is looking for in the next coach. And because there were similar quotes. I was looking back at Sean Elliott's press conference um, for the, some of the, the piece you were talking about and putting up on Panther Talk, and the actual quote from Charlie from the opening press conference for Sean Elliott. Let me pull it up here. He wanted someone committed to the aggressive recruitment in the state of Georgia and overall. So this isn't something that like fans should be unfair for saying they want because it's something the program themselves have said they want. But now you've got an opportunity to go out and get that guy. A hundred percent. And I think there's enough candidates as well with ties to the state of Georgia, uh, folks that have coached in the state of Georgia. Um, I've talked to several former Georgia State assistants who are very interested um, in this role as well. Um, whether they may or may not be qualified for it, that's not for me to decide. Um, but there, there is a lot of interest in this position. Um, again, I think it's one where the league is tough. But again, as I mentioned earlier, Metro Atlanta and the state of Georgia is just so seductive for so many coaches where they can go in there and say, hey, I have relationships. I, I know where I can go and find kids. I have relationships in the state. And to your point, they can flip the, the you know, the, the, the red sign on and, and say, hey, we're open for business here in, in the state of Georgia again. Um, you know, you, again, you lost one 2025 commit. Um, could you get him back potentially? Sure. The relationship there, obviously, with Sean Elliott was very strong with, with Jason Crosby, the quarterback from South Carolina. Um, I can assure you there will be another quarterback that was brought in, whether it's in April or May or in the fall. Um, that's going to happen because the new coach is going to want to bring a quarterback in and go from there. But um, I, I, am, I am fascinated, and, and I haven't – I've heard some rumbling so far from the high school uh, coaching level, and I'm going to reach out to a few uh, this upcoming weekend and just kind of get a general pulse of that as well because there were many who just thought that Sean Elliott and his staff uh, kind of turned their back on certain areas in the state. Um, and that's very powerful because perception becomes reality. Now, I know the other side of it as well, and I've talked to enough high school coaches. I've talked to enough former Georgia State assistants who basically told us, yeah, these high school coaches are throwing that out there saying that we don't recruit their kids. Well, there's not kids that we would recruit. So they're throwing us kids who probably should be preferred walk-ons at a Sunbelt level program. So there's both sides of it, right? You want to establish that trust. Hey, we're going to do right by your kids. We're going to provide them opportunities. We're going to get them to play and play well and graduate and have opportunities uh, post-college football. At the same time, you got to you can't go out and try to recruit every four and five star because you're not going to get them anyway on the first round potentially. So um, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of advantages that this job has now, and uh, I'm just excited to see what the next. You know, really, two weeks are probably going to look like it's going to be busy around our parts, as we well know. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing the names that fly out and and how many people are interested in this role and and trying to get in and and uh, ultimately see who sits down and and talks with Charlie Cobb and and, and uh, President Brian Blake. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what that list ends up looking like. Um, not in the guise of reporting because we're still at early stages. It's not gotten that point yet, but. Some of the names I've seen from people throwing it out there in articles, you know, pe fan interest, which was certainly a thing with Georgia State basketball, because the first or second name that came out during that search was, hey, go hire Jonas. And that ended up being the case. So sometimes fans aren't totally off the mark with that. But Brian McClendon, wide receivers coach, pass game coordinator at Georgia, Del McGee, running backs coach, run game coordinator at Georgia. Those names are interesting because... 
they're at Georgia. They're in a pretty good spot. And you've had an offseason now where Kane Womack left a sitting head coaching job at South Alabama to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama, another one of those programs. And so their interest will kind of dictate the question of like, are these G5 head coaching positions worth it for these guys that are in pretty good spots? Because it could be one or both of them don't want the job and stay where they're at. And in a few years, get that first coaching opportunity into the power conference school. And that's just the way it's kind of been trending that it's almost worth it to be in one of those good situations. And that's how you get your job versus even 10 years ago, like even when Sean Elliott got this job, it was still like, you want to go to that G five and get your, you know, cut your, what are the phrases, cut your teeth at, this job, and then you end up getting the bounce up. They're kind of skipping that at the point, and at this point, and it's now basically about you know being under the right guy where you're learning it from. So those are those names. Um, Chad Staggs, I don't think is going to get the the job permanently, but if there was one name on the current staff and they did continuity, that's the one that wouldn't floor me just because he had been an in interim before. Uh, he had. Some power conference interest as a coordinator when he was at Coastal and they were really rolling those couple of years, the last couple of years with uh, him and Jamie Chadwell at Coastal. Uh, Josh Depp was here, was going to be offensive coordinator. Um, it's a continuity-ish hire is how I put it when I put together the hot board because he's got relationships, I'm sure, with still players that are here and with people in athletics. So if they were last second trying to make this happen pretty quickly and wanted someone they were comfortable with, there might be some interest there. And then the other one kind of in that category, Jimmy Smith was here in 2019 as the running backs coach. He's now at Arkansas, the associate head coach and running backs coach there. Before he was at Georgia State, he was at Cedar Grove High School in Metro Atlanta, had a 67-14-1 and record there. And so he'd kind of be that blend of college experience, high-level recruiting to go with Metro Atlanta connections, having coached there. And I'm sure if he were the name and I'm not saying he is, that would be a name that would bring a lot of excitement to the high school ranks in Georgia, because it would feel like a guy that was going to come do all the things that people have been saying Georgia state was going to do in the recruiting ranks all that time. Someone heard you talk about the wide receivers coach and they're probably really pissed that it's not somebody who runs the ball. So just, just throwing that out there for you. Yeah, no, you're, well, that is kind of the new expectation now with the way that China, like that is his legacy is that if this goes back to being a past first team, it's going to be like, what's going on? Like, this is a totally foreign concept. It's kind of like when Rob Lanier came in and played man-to-man defense for 40 minutes. It's like, what are we doing? Ron Hunter's playing zone all the time. Like, this is totally foreign for us. Um, I think we've hit just about everything. Uh I, I left this up to be a little bit like this might be 20 minutes. This might be 40 minutes. This might be an hour. Um, we're cracking a little over 40 minutes as we are wrapping this up. Um, any final thoughts from either of you as we are putting a bow on this emergency pod about the departure of Sean Elliott as Georgia State's head coach? I mean, you know, I think like you said earlier, Ben, you know, I wish him well. Um, you know, I think looking, it's going to take some time to really kind of sit with what the entire seven years were. Um, and I say that in a good way, because I think obviously the disappointments of the last few years, they feel still so fresh. Um, but you know, when I started, Obviously, I was in, you know, the first year that Coach Elliott was here. And, you know, I remember the excitement of the opening the new stadium and, 
you know, the excitement of the Tennessee win and, you know, getting to eight wins for that first time. And, you know, I really, just because it's been some time, I don't want to lose sight of all of that because we are where we are now, you know, that is unfair. Um, and also, I mean, I understand how football works. I understand how variance and sports work and, you know, it's tough. Like, I think we, this is going to sound pie in the sky, but we, you know, we give a lot of praise to the Nick Sabans and the Kirby smarts of the world, but it's tough to be where they're at, you know, and there's only one of them, you know, as great as they are, as great as, you know, we have, I mean, right. I mean, only- if you want to take it locally, what app state does is not easy. Like what they've been able to do since making the jump, like that has been a lot of hard work and, really smart coaching and just program building in general. Absolutely. You know, I think I'll even take it more relevant. Like, you know, obviously James Madison is what they are. And, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, were surprised at how quickly they were, you know, essentially top dogs in the Sun Belt. But that's not easy, you know, and I, I have no idea who the next coach is going to be. You know, we can have a conversation of our expectations once a hire is actually made. But, you know, getting to where Georgia State is now from where they were 10 years ago today, it's a lot of work went into that. There's a lot of work to still be done, but a lot of work went into that. So, yeah. And not to just totally take away from Ben here, uh, but like, you want to talk about tailor-made opportunities for the new coach to impress and kind of set the new, obviously the standard is going to be winning some belt title and getting to that point again. But coach Elliott did not break the offer against app state that it existed before coach Elliott got here. If the coach comes in year one and wins in Boone, which I'm not, we don't know what those teams look like, but like they're going to be talking about building a statue on Panther talk already in year one, just from breaking that streak. That's been break the curse. Right. So like, you want to talk about like, there's some first left in the air. There's still first on belt title to be won. That's still there. That still has not been done in Georgia state's football history. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. That was actually one of the points that I was going to make. There's there's still a lot of firsts that are still out there. There are still some some you know things that and ceilings that need to be burst through by this program. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway that I have ultimately is Sean Elliott's tenure. Um, you know, and we hit on it a little bit earlier. Th- this program is no longer an embarrassment. Um, it, it was an embarrassment at times uh, toward the end of Coach Curry's tenure, um, where you knew right away this team was not going to compete. Um, didn't have the, the horses to compete, didn't have the talent to compete, didn't have the coaching staff potentially to compete. Um, that's that's changed now. Um, you, you have talented kids that you're and, – and you mentioned it earlier. You don't have knuckleheads in this program. Sean Elliott didn't put up with it. He just didn't, and it didn't recruit guys like that that were malcontents or problems. And if they turned that way, they were escorted out and they were they were moved along pretty quickly. Um, I, I think there is a lot of, as we mentioned and kind of outlined pretty you know succinctly, there's a lot of positives with this program. Um, you know, Sean dominated Georgia Southern for stretches. You know, he went down and won three of the last four uh, contests in, in a rivalry matchup. So so much that hey, you know, there was folks, uh, me included, that basically you know enjoyed the hey, this is no longer a rivalry, and, and seeing that fan base kind of direct their attention of hey, we can't win, we can't beat that team up there in Atlanta, and seeing them storm the field seeing how much that meant to them and their fan base this uh, this past year. So um, I think that's has certainly amped it up again. Uh, we know how much that matters. And and uh, and this this uh, this hires is critical as you know, for what we have kind of outlined. You, you want to kind of continue to take the baton and run with it and, and run faster with it. Um, you know, 
I think the biggest thing now is once the, the head coach is in place, um, you know, to, to steal old Ron Hunter quote, the next three weeks after that are, will dictate the next three years. You know, dictating and finding out who you know who's on the staff, who's staying, who's going. Um, you know, as as we mentioned, you know what spring practice will look like. You know what that will look like because the tremendous opportunity to play an in-state uh, Power Five program on the road uh, in Week One is enormous. Um, but I think the pressure, as you as you said is not there to win that game potentially. It's to compete in it. We know Georgia State people are going to show up for that. Um, some folks that may have not shown up to a game at Center Park, to be candid. And I think that's a huge opportunity. Um, it's it's a huge um, – there's, there's not humongous obstacles in the way to win here, and I think that's an important factor as well. Uh, you have administration that is motivated to win. You have folks that want to, to, want to win. Um, there is a culture that is established. I don't think there's a culture that needs to be completely revamped to redone either, which is an important factor for coaches because they can talk to people in the in the business and in the industry and say, hey, you know, what what's going on down there? Why why didn't they win a Sunbelt title? And and folks can be pretty honest about it. But um, I do expect the hire to be made quickly. Um, I do um, expect probably some, some news here in the next few days in terms of names to watch and names that are serious as as folks and like agents are starting to push that information out there. But um, I, I give Sean a ton of credit because, um, you know, he, he built this program to a to a new level um, that overall, again, as I mentioned, is very positive and uh, has set the expectation and set the bar, uh, you know, pretty, pretty solidly uh, for the next for the next head coach. That is our emergency pod on Sean Elliott leaving Georgia State to be the tight ends coach at South Carolina. I have no crystal ball. I'm no soothsayer. Possible there will be a hire made by the time we're recording next. Possible not. Uh, We will keep everyone updated as we know anything more. And we might hop back to our bat cave and emergency pod again sometime soon when there is a hire announced. In the meantime, thank you for listening. And we will catch you in regular, regular Thursday night podcast business hours next week.